This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. For over 20 years, Dr. James Maxwell and his team at Crestwood Dental have been providing quality care to patients of all ages. They offer a variety of services from cleanings to cosmetic dentistry and restorations with today's most advanced technology, including the most up-to-date lasers, digital x-rays, and impressions. They offer Invisalign and custom aligners with their 3D printer. Crestwood Dental accepts most insurance plans and a membership program for uninsured patients. Schedule today at 314-463-5655 or Crestwood dental.com this is the last minute blues podcast with jeff burton donnie fandango and former blues defenseman jamie rivers it is the last minute blues podcast donnie fandango jeff burton jamie rivers uh gentlemen happy post uh, memorial day weekend it's uh good to see you it's not nice to be here but it's good to see you guys it's okay i'll well, take that as a con i don't understand <laughs> why is it not nice to because be man here. i still wish it well, wish it was like a four-day weekend or a five-day weekend yeah, you know but the even three if it was, was not that, enough i want to be here with you Donnie. dude just wants to go home and do yard work he uh, that's, that's possible, which, yeah. by the way, is very fulfilling. I love it. Very fulfilling. Yeah. I did so, it on the weekend, too. Same here. Had a great time. So um, we went out of town this weekend. We went to Kansas City for a couple of days. And yesterday we get home. We're getting everything out of the car. And I look in my yard. And I will be. We have got a mole or a mole gopher oh. or something. And, dude, all along the side of the house. Just this huge Caddyshack-like divot. That's what I got. And too, so, man. like, we got to, I mean, like, I got, I, but it's it's threatening the beauty of my lawn. Right. I got to get this squared away, yeah. man. And I am an animal lover, but that son of a bitch is dead. Yeah, we've I've, I've battled that with my house for a very, very long time. Uh, mine, I think, is. Well, because you face the woods, right? Well, and also, uh, through doing the research, I've by noticed. Design. But, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've, I've noticed by uh, the research that the moles like the grubs. Right. And the grubs for my yard are there because I have a bad slope in my front yard and it does not drain well enough. So if the uh, if the ground stays uh, wet, that brings the grubs and then the grubs bring the moles. So do you have yeah. some, some, yeah, man. some well, water of some sort as an issue? I, I guess in this particular part of the lawn, and you, it's funny that you say that. Not funny, but like I have like a, a drainage issue there yeah, for sure. Check that out then. But God dang it. Yeah, it was the first thing it. I saw when I got home. I was so relaxed Don't after the dogs, vacation. Though? I have a well, yes, well, but she's sixteen and yeah. only has one eye and doesn't see very much. Okay, soul <laughs> hunting right. is, is uh, it's an age thing. You know, but with your dogs, did they ever come into your backyard? Yeah, they do, but they've never like Eloise, which would be the only one that would be a candidate to do anything. And she's she's just like, hey man, let's hang out. Yeah, so see, <laughs> it's different at the Rivers house. We've yeah. got the two Akitas. Yeah, and yeah, they, yeah. Um, well, one, they feel like they should digest anything that's another animal. Right, right. Make, model, doesn't matter. <laughs> like, there's model. birds that, that fly by, and I've had, uh, uh, sadly, they've been plucked out of the air. Um, that's impressive. It is sad. impressive. Right. But it is sad. Right. Uh, it's very sad, especially when you're... Youngest is watching and look at the oh, bird, dad. No. daddy. I'm like, I know the horrible dogs, oh, uh, but also they do the polar bear thing. So we have we've had rabbits. Now, why do rabbits feel like 
this is a great spot to uh, lay my have my nest. Or right. Yeah. Yeah. In the like, middle it, of the backyard with with tall grass. Right. It, well, no, not with tall grass. Oh. Like because I keep my grass cut. Uh, yeah. But with two dogs that are roaming that thing like guard dogs, and. So they go over and like the, we did have a mole one time, and I'll talk about the mole more than the rabbits because rabbits are more of a yeah, sadder kind of story. Sad part. Let's let's that. jump past that one. But the mole, nobody likes mole. We understand what happened to the rabbit. Let's yeah. move past. <sighs> it's a good rabbit. Um, but the moles. So let's just let's isolate that. The, we did have a mole at one point. Our neighbor started it somehow, and he had all these traps all over his yard. It looked hilarious. But then all of a sudden, I noticed something in my yard. So the mole obviously was on to this guy. He's like, "Wow, what would mess with this?" Rerouted himself. Yeah. He rerouted himself into my yard, but he didn't anticipate two Akitas that uh, that believe they're polar bears. And what I mean by that is if you guys have ever seen the, the videos of polar bears when they go fishing. Oh, yeah. They jump up and they smash their two front paws through the ice and then grab fish from wherever they're at. Well, Akitas will do that too. So they're jumping up like, like a stallion and then smashing their paws down into where the mole would be. And then the mole is just screwed, right? Because now they've got two of them. It's like watching raptors work. I'm not kidding you. One is like barking at one end, and the other, and the mole's like running feverishly <laughs> right into the other one, who's sitting there waiting. Um, nom, 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 nom. What is your uh, what's your hourly charge on? Yeah, are you charged by the body? Right, because right. I I could use. Yeah, uh, I, that's use, what uh, I'm saying. I'm just thinking that too. We've had one that's been tearing up my backyard, both side yards, in the front yard to the point where you got to put your lawnmower in four wheel drive. Right. Oh, so, Jeff, yeah. Yeah, this, this is crazy. A thousand so, bucks an hour. A couple, <laughs> couple of uh, weeks ago, I was out on the back deck, and my oldest looked over and said, oh, my gosh, there's the mole side yard. Like the mole had stuck its little head up and was looking around. I, I'm assuming flipping me off because about <laughs> right. eight feet away was one of those mole traps that could get him right in the skull. <laughs> and about six feet away from that is the things that I put in the ground that give off this vibration and this noise every 30 seconds that's supposed to keep them away. It worked. Those worked for about a minute and a half. Dude, I don't think those they were supposed great. to go on the ground. <laughs> but I put the... The one part I in. love that that's the way you that's, that you tried that. I would almost right. because as you were saying that, I was going, "That's not going to work." Dude. Oh, it, it <laughs> like, totally worked for like a couple of weeks, and then one so, gets by, and then it's all so over. So what'd you do? So I'm on the deck, and this thing sticks its head up, and I yelled, "Oh my gosh, there's the mole!" And Get Julie was inside in the kitchen, and no. she goes, "Grab a bag!" And I was like, "Okay, <laughs> I'll grab a bag." So I went into the gross pile of Walmart plastic bags. And when I came back out, she's standing next to it with a shovel in her hand. And uh, it's one of those Razorback shovels. That, yeah. And she just stands over and takes about seven whacks at the thing. And like, you know, like you're at the at the fair, just right. whap and just destroyed the thing. And I was just going, that's my big, strong man. <laughs> and uh, Dude, Julie Burton, badass. Oh, I mean, yeah, for the win. And I love the wrong she, Burton. She goes, <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> she goes... I go, did you get it? And she goes, yeah, I think it was pregnant because its insides are all over the place. I said, no, that's because you smashed it with the shovel. You it's make sure. science. It can only smash so much, and then things have to break open. So here, Jeff, here's a, a, a broader question surrounding this incident, okay? Is, <laughs> Which I think we all know the answer okay, to already, so but go ahead. Was it the fact, the fact that she hit it seven times, was it a fact that she wanted to be sure to save your lawn? Or was she making sure you saw what she could possibly do? 
a little of each. Could be a little of each. <laughs> Got to keep very, you on your toes, man. The fact that she made absolutely like no emotion at all. That she stayed just flatlined oh, yeah. the no, whole yeah. time. No, it's cold, her, man. That's her, cold. Her BP didn't go up at all. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, she a little bit laser, of a grin, the corner of her mouth, laser, a little focused. bit. Okay. And uh, but I'm the guy who came out there with a plastic you, bag. I'm like I'm walking to the trash can with my arms extended, like oh oh right. oh. She's over there licking the freaking you know <laughs> yeah. shovel, saying who else? So okay, got, she's, all right. She's got my, more where that came she's from. She's my Akita, <laughs> Jeff. I would make sure that she falls asleep first. For me. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So so did you guys like? Uh, did you guys do anything cool over the weekend? Did you get some time away? What well, you I, know anything? <sighs> Okay, so we didn't do much this weekend, and that was kind of by design because life is so chaotic with the yeah. four kids. And then I've got uh, two of my kids have, like, significant others as far as boyfriend or girlfriend, and they're awesome. We love them like family, and they really are. They're incredible. So when we do something, we're talking like a dozen people. Sure. And it's like, holy moly. Yeah. Like, it's, a, it's a serious undertaking. So what we decided to do, we get up Saturday, and Saturday is supposed to be crappy out. Well, and it wasn't. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I can't sit here and do nothing. Let's go for a hike. Let's do something. That's why I texted you, Jeff, yeah. about visiting your uh, your compound up at the lake. And um, obviously Jeff had, I think he'd gone back. or Yeah, or we, we were back already. Yeah. yeah, you're back already. Anyways, so we went to this place called Joel's Safari or something. Joel's Animal. It's basically a farm where you can pet all sorts of Different animals. There's llamas. There's camels. There's uh, longhorn bull. There's, I mean, name it. They have it there. Yeah. It was a friggin' riot. It's. Uh, it was just in Wright City, and it's not too far. Not too far. Just a little bit of a drive, and we got everybody to buy in. Usually, one of the kids is like, ah, "I don't want to do that. Right. I'm not. I'm busy." Every one of the kids was like, "Okay, let's do this." The first time in I don't know how long, gentlemen, I drove. To Wright City, not one minute was the radio on. Everybody was talking and laughing about different things from oh, past experience. Man. It was like That's you, really neat, you talk man. about like those moments where your your heart smiles. Yeah. It was awesome. We got there, everybody was involved. They got a cup full of Yeah, that's it. Big Joel Safari. Um they got a cup full of food and then, you know, Big Hoss, who's like 6'5", 240, this mountain of a of a child at 17. Him and Braden, my other son, are like terrified of like the llama <laughs> and the ostrich. They're like, I don't want to feed him. Hey, he bites too hard. So it was just, it was an awesome day. We did that. Then we went out for a family uh, lunch slash dinner after that. And then everybody went their own ways. They had their own things. The kids wanted to go out. The boys had some little party they went to. They come stumbling home at like three in the morning. I don't know why. Man. I'm not even of age to drink. But uh, one of them may have turned an ankle. Yeah, you never know. You never know. Weird. Yeah, that's the only reason why they're something. walking weird. Uh, and then my other daughter did, uh, did something. And then the youngest one hung out with us. The youngest one actually, oddly enough, watched a movie with my wife and I. And I was like, "Who, who oh, are you?" Boy. And it was, of course, we got to pick the movie. Yeah. Uh, so we picked The Conjuring too. Oh, it's a, it a feel-good movie. Oh God, what are you trying to do? You trying to torture the kid? No, no, but it was good. Yeah, yeah. Man, she, admissions only she spent bucks. a lot of time on her phone. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> Admission to this thing's only ten bucks for adults. Yeah, I'm wow. telling you, it's an it's a it's a can't miss for a day trip for your family. You head out there. The people, first of all, are super awesome. They've got everything from. You know the snakes, the crocodiles. They got a peacock that walks around all by itself, and like 
shows you all its wonder, and you've got camels, you've got rams, you've got deer. You can get into the pen with a bunch of these different things, and it's pretty awesome. Like, you know, I grew up around, like, tons of animals and doing stuff like that. So for me to think something's awesome, just kind of have to wow me. Yeah. It wowed me. It was great. Man, that's BigJoelSafari.com. Yeah, there you go. There what you about go. you, JB? What would you do? I uh, just got together with uh, the family a little bit here and there and just grilled a lot. You yeah. know, just did a lot of grilling and a uh, handful of drinking. Both daughters home or? Uh, no, uh, just uh, Abby and her dude. And then uh, we'll see Casey this weekend and, and her dude. So it'll be fun. It's so weird to, to to think that, you know, man, I'm pretty close to Bendo being out of the house at some point in the next handful of years or whatever. And the idea of that, <clears throat> of your daughter being, you know, gone doing her own life yeah. while you're doing your own life is still something that kind of blows my mind. Yeah, I thought about this and I don't know what, I mean, I guess I could do the math and figure out what age you guys became dads but man the teen dads got it right what think about this if you can make it through being I, a teen i know dad, what he's saying but i cannot believe he's actually saying it. <laughs> tell me i'm wrong <laughs> tell me i'm wrong okay. okay but you could also go the other direction too jeff and this is the one i i tend to agree with more is that the 30 year old dads and moms the so 30 to 35 have it right too. Yeah, but that's if you're financially uh, responsible, which I am not. But what I'm <laughs> what I'm saying is, you start pumping out kids at age twenty. Oh, let's say, eighteen years later, when that kid nineteen years later, let's say twenty years later, when that kid is twenty, twenty one years old, whatever, getting off of your dime, you're only forty years old. You still got a lot of full paycheck ready. You know what I'm saying? Coming in where you don't have to pay for all their crap anymore. Okay. Can he help me on this? Now, you know now, what I'm saying? It's, here, it's purely math. No, well, here's, apparently something something's getting here, to Jeff. Here, here's is the chemo getting to you, Jeff? It could be. Okay. <laughs> let, me, let me tell you something. <laughs> From what I hear, I'm losing my hair. Is that I am I am straight. 45 years old, and I don't want anybody calling me grandpa anytime soon, other than a kid being a dick at a show. You know what I'm saying? Sure, yeah. <laughs> like, no, I, I get it. Like I my don't. My brother's a grandpa now. Oh, and how old is your brother, though? He's fifty. See, he's I, fifty. And- Fifty's still pretty. Fifty spills still pretty good. But to think at forty-five, okay, you're still Grandpa Donnie. I get that, but <laughs> all of your kids are off your bills, man. How? What are, are the chances they, Jeff, that they're really first off of all, my bills? That's your man. problem, not mine. First of all, they're <laughs> never off your bills. Okay, that's why I've decided to push my kids the other direction, thirty to thirty-five, because now you've had a chance to live your teen years. Live your college. Post-college, you know that you're starting to make some money and all that. You party a little bit. You get to 30, 35, you've kind of been there, done that. You're a little more financially set. You get more runway to create your little nest egg. You have your baby. And then still 20 years later, Jeff, to your point, you're 50, 51. There's a lot of life. I mean, how old are you? I am I think 54. Yeah, see what I'm saying? Yeah, no. <laughs> not with me. I, I, I cannot <laughs> I believe. I was waiting for that. Dude, dude, I cannot believe what you were advocating. Those teenage dads, they got. The, you so guys, the younger the better. One regret in life is not starting here. sooner. My the God. sooner you start with the kids, the sooner they're out of your house and you can still make money. No, no, Jeff. Apparently you forget how hard it is the first, I don't know, the first 20 years. Dude. Yeah, get it. You're a hockey player. Get in there and do the work. Yeah, that's Come great. That's Dude, fun. And, and I can say that, God. that those first two years of, of the kiddo. <laughs> are so ridiculously difficult. It was hard for me to handle at 25 going on 26, let alone 18 going on yeah. 19. Oh, man. Oh, I you have man. a fundraiser, so, you're Jeff, fine. Oh, so yeah. to your, okay, so hang on. To your point, a fundraiser. Jeff, a fundraiser. Donnie, who's 18, he, he took Jeff's advice and got pregnant. Now he needs help. 
You're, we're going to have GoFundMe started, and they're going to be petitioning us because Jeff Burton said I should <laughs> get my life going. I'm blocking them all. All right, <laughs> we're not. I'm not donating to any of them. I'm blocking them all. So, Jeff, okay, to your point, then, okay, and, and this is where we'll end it. Go back. Wait, I don't get to rebuttal. Well, you can rebuttal, but okay. then we're moving on because okay. I we can't got handle it. it we anymore. got it. We got it. <laughs> to your to, so, if we take your strategy, and and you knew this person, sure, too, at at 19, 20 years old, uh-huh. um, would you have? Given me a kid at 19. No, no. There you go. No, this is a case by case basis. <laughs> I knew I was setting uh, myself up there, but I, was, I had to make it clear to so, Jeff. Dude, Somebody this- take the heat off me and say Ryan Reeves or something. <laughs> Somebody, please. Well, you? listen, hey, listen. Well, he waited till he was 30 something, too. <laughs> dude, I'll tell you what. We felt bad a week or so ago when we were in here after the Blues uh, got swept by the Avs. But. I do not feel as though we are in as bad of a shape or were as bad of a shape as the hockey fans in Toronto. Yeah. Oh my yeah. holy go there. Holy, holy smokes. And 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 like and, and I don't say this like and I'm not trying to say this as like a as like a spite on Leafs fans oh, or anything like that. that. Like, no, 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 man, because I like the Leafs. I do, too, but do yeah, it. Our oh, numbers my. are going up in Toronto, so don't, don't upset them. <laughs> no, but that's that's the case. Today's the day to dog on them. We'll really get down with it. <laughs> it's true. But, right? I, I mean, so obviously the Tavares injury plays huge, but can you kind of, Jamie, talk about that series? Can you, Can I mean, because the, the Leafs were the overwhelming favorite going into this series. Overwhelming. Well, they were a Stanley Cup contender. Sure. Based on the season and based on Vegas and based on everything else, they're like, okay, this team is finally legit. And they weren't wrong, except for they didn't account for uh, a team that stepped up and outplayed them. All the analytics in the world, this is where the eye test is much greater sometimes than the numbers, is the Montreal Canadiens just wanted it more. And Carey Price decided that, yeah, I feel like winning a, a series here. Guys, he was almost unbeatable. I say it a lot, but you couldn't get a grease BB past this guy. And he was dialed in, and it was crazy. But, you know, John Tavares being out in game one, the Leafs went on to get a 3-1 lead without him. I'm not saying he's not important, because he is. He's really important. But you got three wins under your belt without him. You could probably close out a series without him. Sure. Here's the problem for me with the Maple Leafs is they got great goaltending, Jack Campbell was incredible. He had 936 save percentage overall in the series. They haven't had goaltending like that in the playoffs in eons. Now, did he let a squeaker through in Game 7 from Brendan Gallagher? Yeah, maybe. But you're supposed to have the highest-powered offense in the division. Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, William Nylander. You couple that with Nick Foligno being brought on board. John Tavares, I know he's out. But you have a lot of firepower in Toronto. They didn't. They didn't pull through. The, the The biggest problem you have is you look at your top scorer, goal scorer is William Nylander. Okay, we kind of expected that. Your next top point getter, Jason Spezza. Wow. Now, Spezza is an incredible player. He's at the end of the road right? as far as his career is concerned. He plays about 10 minutes a game, and he's one of the top scorers on your team in the playoffs. And he had a great series. But what does it say about Austin Matthews yeah. and Mitch Marner and all these other guys who were supposed to produce – the well dried up at the wrong time, man. They could not get going. And Montreal, give them credit. Shea Weber, uh, Ben Sherratt, Joel Edmondson. These guys just played rough, tumble hockey. And Montreal was buzzing, buzzing, buzzing the whole time. And they 
They just went out and they took the series. They took it from the Maple Leafs. And I don't know what the heck's going to happen because it reminds me a little bit of the Washington Capitals there. Remember the stretch where they had, they were like the president's trophy, the best team in the league, couldn't get past the first round, couldn't get past the second round. Oh, yeah. And everybody was like, well, break up the band. We got to, that's it. It's over. They fired Barry, or no, they didn't fire Barry Trotz. Uh, They had Bruce Boudreaux got fired and they moved on and all of a sudden it clicked for the Washington Capitals. All of a sudden, Ovechkin and Backstrom and Oshie and all these guys figured it out, Braden Holpe and Nett. I think the Maple Leafs are still a year to maybe two years away from realizing that success. The problem is is that half their payroll is spoken up right now by about five or six players. Wow. So what do you do? Like Joe Thornton, you know, people rave about what he did for that team this year. It wasn't a lot offensively. Trust me, I get it. He's he's very slow. He's old, but he brought a lot to the table. Wayne Simmons, another guy who was no joke in the round. He was great physically and brought a lot of emotion and leadership. Nick Felino as well. But guys, that's like Joe Thornton's gonna move on after mm-hmm. this. Wayne Simmons probably played his last games in Maple Leaf as well. Nick Felino probably played his last games in Maple Leaf, unless he's gonna take a massive pay cut. So now you have to go diving back into the leadership pool around the NHL. Who are the wily old veterans that are going to help us here? They went. They, the Leafs went in a completely different direction as far as trying to get grittier and things like that. And they did. They added uh, Bogosian on defense, and but it just it didn't play, man. It didn't work out. And the Montreal Canadiens, who were the worst team to make the playoffs, are walking into the second round against the Winnipeg Jets, to which now they have a chance against. One hundred percent. So Maple Leafs. I mean, they shot their shot, and it just didn't work out. Yeah. Two two things here. Uh, Joel Edmondson. Uh, does he get the credit that he gets, or do, does he get credit, and does he deserve it? I miss him big time. Anytime I catch him playing, I'm fixated. I'm fascinated. I love the way the guy plays. And then also, when you have a four zero or three zero, whatever it was, and you see that slipping away. Do you feel it? Do you see it coming? Does it get in your brain when you're in that team? Especially Where, when, you when got you're that, in that locker room. And especially when you got that Toronto media breathing yeah, over your yeah, friggin' neck. That's, that's a whole different world. Yeah, if it was happening here, that's one thing. But happening in Toronto, for Christ's sake. Yeah. So to your first question, Joel Edmondson. Yeah, I don't think he gets the credit he deserves. I now, know you're a fan. That's one of the reasons why I'm, I'm a big fan. It yeah. Now, when you watch the game, he still has his turnovers. He still has his brain farts throughout the game. Uh, they're a lot less than they once were. But he skates well, he moves the puck well, he joins the rush. He's not going to be any kind of an offensive threat, but he's just mean. Like you watch him in front and you get, he cross-checks guys right where there's no pad, right in the meat, you know, cross-checks him and then stares him down and will back up and like shake the mitts and guys are like, ugh. You know, this is a guy that fought Tyler Myers twice. Now, Myers isn't a killer, but he's six foot eight. And Joel did a great job. Joel Edmondson doesn't fight a lot. But when he does fight, he usually doesn't lose. And so you look at that, that's a, just a great addition. You get, and then you look on the other side, maybe you got Shea Weber, mm. who's a mutant back there. <laughs> and then you got Sherratt, who's not afraid to throw the mitts and play and, and play tough. They've got a good, tough defensive core. And I think Joel Edmondson, that's why they signed him to a long-term deal. They, they liked what they saw. And he'll be a pillar on that left side for the next three, four years. I, I look at Joel Edmondson, and I think that's Scandella's big brother. Pretty much. That's just yeah. the way I look at him for some reason. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, they're very, very similar in a lot of ways, although Joel is much meaner than than Marco is. It's just the way he plays. I think I read last night that Edmondson is like 5-0 and in game 7s. In yeah. game he's undefeated in game 7s. Wow. Huh. 
So Mr. Game 7 himself, although he doesn't score like Justin Williams used to for Carolina and all those great teams. Um, and then your second part of your question, being up 3-1, that you feel it slipping away. And you keep telling yourself, you keep telling yourself, okay, it's 3-2, uh, we just go win this in Montreal. Now it's 3-3. Three, three. Guys, it's not a big deal. We expected this to go six or seven games. We go win it at home now. But you're you're puckering. Yeah. Your 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 backside is puckering. And I remember being on the other side of it, and you guys will remember this, was we played the Phoenix Coyotes in the late 90s. And Keith Kachuk was there, Rick Tockett, Jeremy Roenick, Craig Janney. They had a hell of a team. They got up on us 3-1. to one. And we came back and won it in seven games in double overtime. Pierre Turgeon scored a little deflection oh, winner. But we could feel, just like you can feel it slipping away, you can feel it, you can feel yourself gaining momentum. And I remember that series, just, you know, we're down 3-1. We're like, wait, let's get back to 3-2. And then let's get back to 3-3, which was here. Game six was here in St. Louis, and we went to overtime. And and I'll never forget this. And I may have told this story before, and if some of our listeners probably have heard this before, uh, but Grant Fuhr, who doesn't say a word, usually in between periods, just a quiet guy, very relaxed, he gets up and he says, uh, if you guys get me to a game seven, I promise you they won't score. <laughs> and so take it for what it's worth, right? At the time, you're like, okay, this guy's a five-time Stanley Cup champion at this point, and he's a leader on your team. He's dialed in. So we went out, and Scott Young scored in overtime. And away we go back to Phoenix to play the Coyotes. Well, we go to double overtime in Game 7, and we win one nothing. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and Fursey made, like, I swear to God, he made, like, 70 saves. Jeez, he was like rubber man in there. I Then, like, when the series was over is when you got chills because you're like, he literally just said they wouldn't screw right. right, and he yeah. didn't. Like, he gave us the answers. We didn't think they were true, though. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> so that was a pretty amazing moment. Hey, Jeff, uh-huh. when he tells stories like that, do you find yourself, I don't know. I have drool coming yeah. out. Yeah, like, yeah, but that can be for various go reasons. Go on, go on. <laughs> I, just, yeah. I just love him. Like, I can feel myself, like, getting locked in and, like, resting my hand or my chin on my hands. So, so, so okay, real quick, back to Edmondson real quick. The circumstances in which that the Blues let him go were, wait, were, was he a part of the Falk trade yes. or he was a part of the Falk trade? So, I see why that all, that all happened. It just feels like, uh, you know, maybe we let the wrong guy go. Yeah. Um, but it's easier. I mean, it's way easier to say that two years right? after the fact, you know. Sure. And then what would you have gotten for somebody else, right? Like, say maybe Carolina said the only way this deal works is if you throw in Edmondson, mm-hmm. not player X or player Y at the time, you know. So, look, Edmondson had had a, a great run in St. Louis. He had a, 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 um, a good and bad Stanley Cup run, meaning that, you know, him and Robert Bortuzzo seem to be interchangeable throughout the, the entire yeah. playoffs because yeah. they play a great game, great game, so-so game. Then they'd switch them. Great game, so-so game. And it was like in and out, in and out, in and out. And so the Blues probably at that point were like, this is a guy that if you're looking to upgrade, you look over at Justin Falk who is playing, you know, number one minutes over in Carolina. Plays, we saw it this year, basically what he can bring to the table. You look at that and you say, okay, Joel Edmondson and – um, Dominic Bach, who we don't really know if he'll ever really play in the NHL. Okay, I'll take that deal. Sure. Now, you, it sucks because at the time when you made that deal, you still had Jay Bomeister. You still had Alex Petrangelo. You still had some size back on your blue line. And, 
things have changed a little bit since then. So now Justin Falk, who became your number one D because Pareko couldn't handle number one minutes. And I don't mean not good enough. His phys- like uh, health-wise, he couldn't yeah. handle number one minutes. So now you look at that, it's changed everything when you look at it. It's changed the whole makeup of your core. Any idea yet? We haven't heard. if Is Pareko going to get surgery uh, this offseason? We, we don't know, do we? I, to my knowledge, he's not. Okay. Um, Doug Armstrong publicly said that nobody was going to require surgery that he knew of. Now that if further tests down the road or this right. or that and the other, that could happen. But as of that day, he said that people, guys would heal and whatnot and not require surgery. I would really like to not feel guilty about thinking that I don't that, that I don't think we should bring Jaden Schwartz back. But that's where I am in my Blues fandom. Because anytime I think about letting somebody go, I feel like a friggin' horrible person or whatever. Right. But I think where I am in this whole this whole situation is, is if we can get Bozak, like you said a couple weeks ago, if we can get Bozak back, taking a haircut, he, I, I think that that one. would be beneficial. Right. I just don't know. I don't know about the Jaden Schwartz coming back at this point, how much money he's going to want, how long. It feels like the injuries happen at least once a year, and then he goes these long breaks without scoring, which I understand he's doing many other things that provide value, but if you're paying a guy $5 million a year to be a top six guy, don't you kind of have to be able to expect a certain amount of points? Well, yeah, you should, and I think that's the, that's the great debate. On Jaden Schwartz, it's not what he brings to the team as far as an individual. Uh, everybody loves this guy. I love him. the The coaches, the players, the fans, for the most part. I don't know of any fans who sit there and go, "Oh, I can't stand Jaden Schwartz." Yeah, man. I mean, most people to a person are like, "I just love the way he works," and he does, and he works hard. But you can find a guy who works hard like that for half the price. I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm not. I'm just. This is my business hat on. It's not my emotions. My emotions would be like, "Yeah, bring him back," because I love Schwartzy. Um, but you have to look at it. What what does he contribute as far as offensively? And to your point, Donnie, if he's going to be a top six forward, he's got to produce like a top six. If he's going to be a, a bottom six forward, maybe a third line left wing, which would be a great fit. Amazing. But then you got to get third line money. It it can't be, you know, five to six million on a multi year deal. You're probably looking at like four. And didn't you say this is his grasp at the ring now, right? It's technically supposed to be the league is changing, though. This is why I think the next collective bargaining agreement is going to uh, is going to cause some problems, and I hate to say that because I'm watching guys now, and when they get to 28-29, this used to be their shot at the home run. That's what it was set up for. But now because the age of the player is trending downward, teams look at it now, they're like, well, you know, once he gets to 30, 31, we'll only go three years. We'll only do that. Like, it's working against the players now. So I could see a future in the NHL where uh, the players want to drop it to like 26 to where they can reach free agency because the league is getting younger. I know there's a few outliers as far as players that are out there, but when you look at it, how many teams now in their negotiation with a 32-year-old are like, Pool, we're not giving him a long-term deal. Right. Sure. We're not doing that. No, we'll go two- or three-year deal on that one. And Jaden Schwartz is no different, right? Especially with his injury history, to your point, and his production of late. Do you go four, five, six, seven years with this guy? I don't think you do. I think you kind of proceed with caution if you're going to proceed. I just look at it as who else could be available to where if you cashed in, if you cashed in money, let's just take the players and the emotions out of this. If you cashed in money for Jaden Schwartz, uh, Mike Hoffman, and a Tyler Bozak. Because you have to assume that Oscar Sundquist 
is going to take Tyler Bozak's spot. Third-line center, we know how much we miss Sonny. You have your first two-line centers as far as O'Reilly and Shen is concerned. So it's a log jam there, right? So if you decide to go, yeah, you know what? We're not going to bring back Tyler Bozak. Guys, there's a guy. There's there's one guy that I've circled in on big time, and it, it would be tough. And it's people say that's impossible, but nothing is impossible. If I I've seen guys go from the Rangers to the Islanders, from the Islanders to the Rangers, which is supposed to be a no no. I've seen guys go from the Canadians to the Maple Leafs. The Ooh, Maple Leafs. This is going to be Canadians. an interdivision Ooh, trade. He, let's or see. Something. Let's see who is he talking about. A are you talking winger. trade or are you talking no, free agent actually, signing? He'll be an unrestricted free agent at the end of the season. Oh, and it's a left winger. Huh? A left winger. Well, he's talking about somebody that we play a lot, obviously, because he's like... A left winger, guys, that checks every single box. Uh, every can't single be Clem Costum because he's already on the team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's yeah. see. It's I love that point, you did that. I love point. that you did that. Good dollar value there, too, Yeah, good dollar value. I'm not going to guess right, so you tell us. What about a guy called Gabriel Landeskog? Oh, my God. I wasn't expecting that. What about a guy called Gabriel Landeskog? After seeing the, the, the guns during his post-game interview, yeah, I'll take him. Okay. Holy cow. He fancies himself a Schmedium shirt, though. I Johnny's did notice excited. that. <laughs> I did notice or that. Or are they all Schmedium on that yeah, Maybe right. they are. My goodness, his arms. Holy cow. Why, why would weird. Colorado not try to do everything to re-sign him? And then also, how much money is that dude going to get? Well, here's the thing is they've got a lot of young players that they're going to have to take care of in the next handful of years. Kale McCarr. You're locking that dude up. His entry-level deal is probably coming up next year soon enough. You're going to lock him up long-term. You're going to go eight years with that guy. There's no way you're not. Nathan McKinnon, you're going to try. He's only making $6 million. Oh, boy. For the next two years. And then after Poor that, guy. he <laughs> – I know, but you say that, right? He's making $6 million, but Austin Matthews is making $12 million. Right. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, think about that for a second. Connor McDavid making $12 million. I know Connor McDavid had – a great year, but Nathan McKinnon is always in that discussion of one of the top three forwards in the NHL. He's going to want to get paid. The Colorado Avalanche are going to look for a shift of power at some point because Landeskog wears the C. They're going to want to give that C to McKinnon at some point. Mm-hmm. And instead of having a messy breakup like the Dallas Stars did a couple of times way back when, when they took the C from Medano and gave it to Brendan Morrow and then took it off Brendan Morrow and gave it to... Jamie Benn, and it was all messy craziness. I could see them just saying, you know, we can't afford to, to keep Gabriel Landeskog. They've got quite a they've got a deep team there. And, you know, he's gonna want somewhere between seven and nine million, I would imagine. And so again, if you do the math and you add it to their current salary cap, they may not be able to afford it. It could be really, really tough for them to afford. Now, if you do the math here at the St. Louis Blues. And I've said this before, you got 5.3 in Jaden Schwartz, 4 million in Mike Hoffman. You've got 5 million in Tyler Bozak. That's $14.3 million that you have available. Now, I'm not saying you give all that to Gabriel Landeskog. Let's say you give him eight and a half. There's your first line left wing. Can you imagine Gabriel Landeskog playing with Ryan O'Reilly and David Perron? Mm. Stop it. I can. Hold on. Give me. Yeah, second here. I can feel as okay. if I need to sit on my hands. At this point. <laughs> right. Okay. But here, let me ask you this question, man. And I'm just throwing it out there. Yeah, yeah. Of course. But uh, you know, and one of the things that I have read and heard you guys talking about on ESPN, um, you know, Alex and Chris Kerber have talked about the need for a left wing uh, for the Blues. What is a what is more important this offseason, them addressing that hole on on the left side or getting that big physical defenseman that we need too? 
Yeah, I think that uh, I think that you need both. I mean, you have to have both. You have to address it in some capacity. But the biggest thing for me is watch how many times that I'll just use Landis Cog, okay? Because right now that's my my wish list. He's in front of the net all the time. Every single goal that the Avalanche scored where he was on the ice, that guy was in front of the net in some shape or form. And then we saw what he did. He went on and fought Braden Shin. How many times he fought? He fights all the time. Mm-hmm. He runs guys over. He blocks shots. I mean, this guy's a warrior. And he's playing with one of the highest level IQ players in the league in Nathan McKinnon. So guess what? He can wheel and deal with whoever you put him with. So I just imagine. I imagine a world where Gabriel Landeskog is chasing down pucks in the offensive zone because Chief Ice says, we need somebody to get the pucks for O'Reilly and Perron. Oh. And then setting up shop in front of the net, and you know anybody takes a run at Ryan O'Reilly, and all of a sudden Gabriel Landeskog is there. So I see a lot of positive things uh, available there. Now on defense, they'd have to go looking for somebody else, but that means you know they're going to lose somebody in the in the Seattle expansion draft. So who that player is, I don't know. There's a lot of different talk going on right now. There's a lot of speculation of of ninety one. There's a lot of speculation of, you know, on the blue line, who they might let go. So you could have money available that you didn't think was there to go sign a relatively big name to play on your blue line. I'm just asking this. I'm not saying that I want it to happen. I'm not saying it should happen, but I'm just throwing this out He always pulls the shoot before he even says anything. No, 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 because I'm not saying that I want Tarasenko traded to Seattle, but let's say with what happens with the expansion draft, what would Doug Army have to offer the Kraken to take on that contract, the injury risk, the whole thing? What would the, you know what I'm saying? Like, do you have Maybe a ballpark? Maybe not that of- much when you think about it, because how many guys that are that have that dynamic ability will be available? Most of those guys will be protected, mm-hmm. right? So Seattle's going to want to have somebody that, they're like, okay, I got a little firepower. They're not going to try and fleece. They're not going to be able to fleece everybody. And so if if someone, if it ever did happen, and I have no idea, this is just like... Yeah, we're just talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, water cooler talk here. If Vladdy was available, then maybe you look at it and go, hmm, well, we got our we got our starting right winger. Like we got our power play guy. Now we don't have to make all these crazy deals with this team or that team or pick that guy and waste money here. Now we can, now we can go fleece people because we have a guy in that spot. I think the Blues may have to sweeten the pot a little bit, maybe a, a second or a third round pick. Okay. But then essentially, you know, you're looking at it as $7.5 million off the books. And if you do decide to go in a different direction with those other three guys, you're looking at like $21 million available in a flat cap world right now. Boy, that's a ton of money. You have to get some restricted guys signed up that have arbitration. You have some young guys that you may include in a deal to get draft picks. That's the thing is you could include somebody like a Vince Dunn. Again, I have no idea. You could trade a Vince Dunn for, to somebody for a third rounder. And then you take that third rounder and package it part of the thing. And now what you've done is you've basically traded you know, Vince Dunn for Vladimir Tarasenko at the end of the day because that's the value you've gotten from it. So sure. there's ways to make it happen. I'd have to have a whole board in front of me and go through it but there's a way to make it work. The biggest thing is, again, with a guy like Landis Gog is would he sign in St. Louis? And the reason I think he would is if Colorado can't afford him anymore, 
how many other teams are out there that are one player away from being competitive? Mm, There's not a lot, yeah. right? Like the Toronto Maple Leafs would be one that I'm sure would go, hey, Gabe, uh, wow, would you look good on a line with Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner, which he would. But how much cap space will they have, right? Like it's it's a different animal. And in St. Louis, he's seen this team play night in and night out, knows what they're all about. Maybe it's enticing to a guy like that. Maybe it's enticing to stick it back to the team that wouldn't give you the money. I don't know. I just look at it as interesting. There's other guys, too. There's other guys that will be available. But for me, that's the top of the food chain, and it's fun to imagine things. Cool. What, can you tell me why Why would it, Why would Vegas start oh, not gosh. start Flurry in game, I don't in game one? D- Donnie, I don't know why they would stop or start Robin Lanner, I put it out on Twitter. I saw that. That's yeah. why I'm asking. I'm like, too, yeah. I'm, like I'm, I'm, I'm just perplexed as to why they would do that. And, and I didn't put it in my tweet because, well, one, you're limited to the amount of stuff you can say. And I just didn't want to go there because I didn't want bad juju on anybody on the team. But I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, is he basically conceding game That's one? That's what they were saying on the NHL like, network. I thought to myself, if Pete DeBoer's going in here and he's saying – Ah, if we have to lose a game, let's make it game one. I'll, pre- I'll play Robin Lehner. I'll get Marc-Andre Fleury some rest. We'll figure out what Colorado's doing. This is the easy way then, not that we would blame the goalie, but we just blame the circumstances and then come back in game two having a very – because they didn't have time to prepare, right? They had one day between series. So a lot of times there you're like operating on the fly. You're like, okay, last time we played them, they did this. We saw a little bit of St. Louis and what they did over here – not sure. Let's go. And then that's your that's your your in game scouting is what you're doing. I don't know why he would start him. He hadn't played a significant game in over a month. Oh. And the first goal, Ranton and everybody can say, Wow, what a backhand. It was, but it was outside the dots and it went short side, beat him on the glove where he shouldn't have beat him off the post and in. Robin Leonard's out there swatting flies. And, again, Nathan McKinnon, where he had his breakaway, which I know he's, he's tough to stop. It's Nathan McKinnon. But he comes in, he makes one little deke, and Leonard's hand goes way down towards yeah. the pad. And then McKinnon doesn't even have to get a top shelf. He goes, like, mid-tier, and it goes in. So unfair to Robin Lehner, too, I think, at the same time, because why, why would you throw that guy? You literally fed him to the wolves. Yeah. And it, so if I was him, I'd be pissed at multiple things. One, playing average to very average at best. And two, being plugged into that situation where you're just going to get throttled. So uh, interesting decision from Pete DeBoer. Uh, I would imagine he comes back with Flurry tonight. I would imagine. I would think I he'd would get his lunch he, handed to him if he, he doesn't. Would, but, yeah. you know, that game got out of hand quick. And... Uh, you know, you got to try and stop that. I'll tell you what, that Ryan Reeves stuff aside. No, I want to talk about No, that. no, I'm just, no, I'm saying just Ryan Reeves stuff. If that, if that didn't happen, I sat there and went, and that was only game one. Holy cow, this Avs team is freaking amazing. They are, but they're going to have to be slowed down a little bit, right? So Vegas, again, uh, they were walking into a juggernaut. One, they're going to play at high altitude with absolutely no time to adjust to it. They flew there the day before if that, because of the way their series ended uh, in the first round uh, against Minnesota. So it's tough. And you're walking into a team that's well-rested. Um, they, they know what they're doing. They have a pre-scout for whatever. It's a tough situation. The next game tonight will be different, I imagine. But I want to talk about Ryan Reeves. I want to talk about this NHL game that we say we love so much, okay? 
Donnie, I, I thought about you the other day when this happened because you were very passionate and upset about Tom Wilson sure. with Artemi Panarin. Sure. What Tom Wilson did was way worse than what Ryan Reeves did. And he got a $5,000 fine. The NHL, quite honestly, if you go back and you read through it, which I did, the NHL fined Wilson for the cross-check and the punch to the head of Buchnevich, who was on the ice. They actually didn't even discipline him at all for the Panarin situation. So if that's your measuring stick, Ryan Reeves goes to the front of the net. Premeditated? Yes. Did you see his player, Yanmark? Uh, Graves? Late hit, blindside, crushes him, puts him out of the game. 7-1 game. What do you think was going to happen? I'm just saying, what do you think was going to happen, right? Ryan Reeves goes to the front of the net. A little bit of shove to the back of the head of Grubauer, of course. I mean, why wouldn't you? I would do that, too. He gets a slash to the back of the leg from Grubauer, and then Nemeth t- or uh, Graves turns around and starts to wrestle with him. So he grabs him, throws him to the ice. It, he didn't even land hard. And then on the ice, he's on top of him, and he's pushing his head down into the ice and stuff. Well, what did you expect? Like, you're wrestling. Two grown men are wrestling. And there's 235 pounds of Ryan Reeves on top of you. And the linesman, by the way, let's not forget this. The linesman did an awful job in that situation. They literally jumped on top of both guys, laying on both guys. So now the weight was even greater on the pile. They're supposed to get in there and kind of get in between and tie up arms and that stuff. They didn't do it. They did a horrible job of eliminating anything that could happen. Again, this is the only problem that Ryan Reeves had, though, is he basically said, yeah, I did it on purpose. But what did he really do? Like, I want to hear your guys' take because, Donnie, I know how passionate you yeah. were about the Wilson thing, which optically, oh, my God, that was ten times worse. Here is my issue with all, with virtually all of it, Jamie. It is the haphazard way in which that it is officiated, officiated, I didn't mean to say officiated, officiated <laughs> in-game as well as the fines and punishment after. To me, it does not seem even. It does not seem. Um, uh, it just. It just seems different for almost haphazard. Every, haphazard. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, like yeah. I, the consistency more, isn't that, there. That, that's right, man. And and again, and I understand that I'm using this as a blues example and as and as a homer. Okay, but we had four guys, or well, three guys. One guy twice mm-hmm. out for extended periods of time due to absolutely cheap plays, and there was virtually nothing done about it, and that absolutely cost us in that series with Colorado. I don't I don't know what it's going to take to be more consistent. I know that it's a tough game to ref. I get all of these things, but dude, there's got to be a better way. So here, let me ask you this then. Wouldn't you have liked the Blues to have a Ryan Reeves after that stuff happened to be out there and to be like, you're not going to do that. Like Mark Stone, we always talk about Mark Stone, the scumbag, right? Nothing was the ever... The hypocrite, by the way, if you listen e- to his post-game comments. Okay. Nothing yes. was ever done. Nothing was ever done. Nothing. So Ryan Reeves takes it upon himself because that's the type of player he is. One, by the way, have you noticed that Ryan Reeves, the fourth line, has started every game in the playoffs? Mm-mm. It's not by accident. It's not by accident. They can do the job. And the first game, the first shift of last game... They had the McKinnon line in their own end for the entire shift. I don't say they match up every time, but what I'm saying is Ryan Reeves is a player now, okay? So the days of him just being a crawl over the boards and smash your face, those are gone. Those are gone. So when I'm looking at it from the league standpoint, I go, okay, 
He's had X amount of shifts against the other team's first line. It means he can play. One of his teammates got hit, blindsided, put out of the game. Nothing done about it. So what do you do? We always talk about if the if the officials in the league won't police it, the players have to. Ryan Reeves doesn't even go. Like, honestly, I thought he was going to come to the front of the net with the gloves off and just smash this guy and beat the wheels off of him. He didn't. He came to the front of the net, caused a commotion, wrestled the guy to the ice. They didn't even land hard. And then, yeah, did he shove his head into the ice? Did he try and, you know, grab his face? Face, Yeah. So what? You, dude, you put my, my so teammate what? out of the game. He put, You're lucky I'm not doing worse. 100%. He put the guy who had a hat trick in Game 7 out of the game, maybe out of the series, maybe out of the playoffs for the rest of this year. And he didn't even drop his gloves. So I don't get the theory. Tom Wilson grabs a guy by the head, and I told you guys before, I was like, oh, well, you know what? It happens. and what? Fine, it happens. But you can't now turn and give two games to Ryan Reeves for something that was half as bad as something you gave nothing to. Is it because of, and you alluded to this, that Ryan Reeves admitted he went out there looking That's for retribution? That's the number one reason they did it. And he admitted that he pulled the hair out of the guy's skull, too. He admitted at least <laughs> those two things. Did he admit to pulling hair out of the That's skull? That's what the athletic article uh, said. <laughs> well, maybe his fingers got cut. That's <laughs> very never possible. You man. That's Sometimes very possible. Long Who hair. knows? You know, you got the but, sweat okay, but going still. and everything. Um, after, but like after the whistles, him just yeah. pushing the guy's face into the so ice, what? knee on top of him. Well, you know what, Jeff? That guy shouldn't have blindsided his teammate. Where was well, I it? understand that, but he did that in between the whistles. Correct. Ryan Reeves did not stop once the whistle and everybody said, hey, 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 hey. He kept going. Okay, but here's my issue with it is when you watch the video, Graves was well aware that Ryan Reeves was coming to the front of the Sure. Net. Oh, absolutely. He was well aware that they were going to do battle. He grabbed Ryan Reeves around the head, too. They both went out. He was, uh, it wasn't blindsided. It wasn't from behind. It wasn't a surprise. He got outmatched as far as strength goes. So he ended up on the bottom, and then the referees handled it poorly from there. If I'm Ryan Reeves, I'm doing the same thing. I'm sending a message, and I'm probably screaming in that guy's face at the same time. This is what happens when you blindside my teammates. And here's the question. I know you don't have we don't have the answer for it, but dudes, how does this get any better? Because Doug Armstrong made that statement in the playoffs. I don't want to say something now during the series because I don't want it to be viewed as gamesmanship. But it feels like there's a lot of people on different pages when it comes to this player discipline thing. And it's and honestly, as a fan, just being honest. It's confusing for me, and I think that's why I get so pissed at the Tom Wilson thing because it's so – it's just – it's all judged so differently. It's just very tough to take, and I think somebody is going to end up getting for real deal hurt badly. Not that none of these guys aren't hurt badly, but they're going to get to a point where maybe they can't ever come back. It just yeah. – it feels like they're, this is a very dangerous, precarious situation that the league has put the players in right If now. the league was going to protect the players, they should have suspended Graves too. They should have went back and said that hit is suspendable at the minimum of fine. So now the players feel like, okay, maybe Revo didn't have to do that. They did nothing. So, again, I go back to if you can't be protected, you have to protect yourself. And if that's the case, then Ryan Reeves is actually doing the, the right thing. And, yeah, the guy ended up with a bloody nose. I'm sorry. It happens. You're playing hockey. You play a rough style of hockey yourself, being Graves. He's not afraid to go after guys and do it. Look, we watched him the whole series against the Blues. Extra slew foot, elbow here, push to the back of the head, smacking a guy on the ground. Same stuff, except that he wasn't quite as tough or as strong as Ryan Reeves. So now he's on the backside of it. 
getting he's the one receiving it, and now it's a problem. And it could wind up being beneficial possibly to Vegas because from what I read, the dude who will probably replace Ryan Reeves, and I don't have names and numbers and all that stuff, actually has better point totals than Reeves. Well, yeah, I'm sure that most guys do. But is also the same style player, too. But I'll has, have to see who they put it, in the lineup. It was a rookie of some sort. I'm sorry I don't know his name, but he did well. But they they said they didn't start him because he's a rookie. Okay. I'll take a look at who it is. I, did, yeah. I haven't really dove into that. So it, could, it, turned out to, it could turn out to benefit Could be Vegas. fine. Uh, although I can't imagine not having Ryan Reeves out there benefiting somebody in the playoffs. I would have much. If I'm the league, honestly, I would not have suspended Ryan Reeves for the simple fact that going back to tonight's game, that would be a much calmer game. And let me explain, because you have Graves that made the hit and put a guy out. Ryan Reeves got his pound of flesh. Everything usually settles at that point. Everything usually settles. Look at the Washington game. It was crazy against the Rangers after that for the first period. And then what happened? A game. It settled. Yeah. And I'm just telling you, by now, though, with Ryan Reeves out, like this isn't settled. Right. It's not settled. So when he comes back two more games into this, he's going to be released back into the wild. <laughs> and it's going to be <laughs> He's going to be hungry. He's going to be hungry. <laughs> yeah. I got kind of lulled into this weird sort of kind of like for the Avs because I do really like Nathan McKinnon a lot. I'm glad that that's gone. I freaking hate <laughs> well, hate that team, and I want Vegas to kick their freaking ass. Like, I want them to come back and roll these guys. I've adopted out. Vegas for the rest of the playoffs for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, I like the way they play. I like their style of game. Yeah. Uh, two, for Ryan Reeves. And Petro. three, for Alex Petrangelo. Yeah. yeah. Would love to see those guys get, uh, you know, Petro another cup. Revo get one. And if it's not going to be them, I want it to be the Tampa Bay Lightning. Would love to see the big rig yeah, man. get his trifecta. And just watching you know him what? play. I want there. him to get three just to see what the car shield commercial is going to be yeah, next year. That's a great I cannot idea. imagine. Or his speech at the parade. Oh, oh my I mean, gosh. hometown hero, year one, back to back baby, year two, one can only turkey. imagine. The turkey. Yeah. Gobble, gobble. <laughs> Dude, that, that, that guy is already a legend in our town. Yeah. A third Stanley Cup. They're building statues. Also, if Landeskog <laughs> wins, then we have another uh, Stanley Cup winner in the, in the locker room next year because you're guaranteeing he's going to be a blue. <laughs> right, just, right. I think I that's mean, what he said Mar- earlier, right? pretty much guaranteed. Yeah. I'll, yeah. t- I'll give him a call. I'll do the tampering for you, right. Doug. Hey, boys, i got to get back on the radio. I thoroughly enjoyed this uh, hockey conversation. Too, Look at all fancy pants over here. Got other things to do. Yeah, that's like be busy. on the radio oh, yeah, for yeah, my job. Right. Last Minute Blues podcast. Jamie Rivers, Jeff Burton, Donnie Fandango. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. And also, share the podcast with your friends, as always, when they're playing. Let's go, Blues. The Last Minute Blues Podcast. Hear more at 1057thepoint.com. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed, plus special financing for a limited time. 
only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.